Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demonland podcast. My name is Andy, and while the Ds have recorded two wins in a row for the first time since May last year, and the mood is high on Demonland, joining me tonight is longtime Demonlander George. Good evening, George. How are you? Good evening, Andy. Good evening, everyone. And wasn't that one of the most enjoyable games of football for a Melbourne footy club supporter since at least the 2018 finals? Oh, absolutely. And this week, the heart rate didn't get too high. I didn't get any alerts on my watch this week, which is a good thing. So... I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that uh, that uh, d- didn't cause me too many issues. Um, also joining us uh, tonight uh, is longtime caller to the show, but first time host. Uh, good evening, Bim Man. How are you? Good evening, uh, Andy, and everyone out there in Demonland Land. Demonland Land. Thanks. Uh, it's a good way to to end the weekend. Is a, a win and. Um, it certainly sets up uh, for a good week, doesn't it? It certainly does, and there'll be plenty to talk about tonight. And it, it always is more enjoyable to talk about the wins than it is uh, the losses. Uh, certainly a lot more positives, um, and I think we'll get straight into it. But first, um, we love hearing from Demon Landers, so if you'd like to join our program tonight to discuss any of the topics that we talk about, uh, as Bim Man has in the past, you can give us a call on 0390163666. That's 03. 03- Nine zero one six three triple six, or Skype us at Demonland31. If you're listening to the show live, come join us in the chat room. You can ask questions, post comments, head over to demonland.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this at your leisure via SoundCloud on demonland.com during the week or via an Apple or Android podcasting app, give us a subscribe. And uh, you can receive podcasts when a new show drops. Don't forget to uh, leave us a favorable review to help more uh, Demonlanders or more demon supporters find us we're also on spotify and stitcher go to demonland.com find the preferred links uh to your preferred um method of listening follow us on uh, facebook at facebook.com slash demonland31 twitter at demonland instagram at demonland31 or search us on youtube demonland podcast uh if you just love talking about the d's 24 7 all year round like we do come to demonland.com join up chat with us and other d's fans about this great club and you can chat about all these great victories that we've had in the past couple of weeks and hopefully into the future so boys we'll we'll get started as george mentioned it certainly was uh our best game since the 2018 semi-finals and uh the whole block of games leading up to the finals so good to win uh all four quarters of a footy game uh uh, george you might know this when was the last time we won four quarters of footy uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any idea. You'd, you'd have to ask someone like Super Mercado, who's an expert on those sort of things. Yeah, I, I, um, I was. I was yeah. thinking about it uh, without having the, any stats in front of me, and I was even the, the games we won last year. I'm not sure if we won all four quarters. Yeah, it's a bit bit sad, isn't it? An indictment on our season last year because that we can't remember when we actually did win every quarter. It's probably been such a such a long time now. But, uh, that was a nice one to to do so. Yeah, I was thinking back. It might have been even. Um, I'm not sure about the the game in West Coast that we won, but maybe the GWS game the the next week might have been one where we won all four quarters. Might have been the last one. Be man, any any ideas? How has your stats? Uh, not so great, but given you can't contradict me, um, we didn't. The 2018 semi, were we? Um, did we win each of those quarters? We didn't, did we? They came back in one of those. Yeah, quarters. I think the third quarter uh, they might have beaten us in the third. Um, 
not positive, but uh, anyway, someone might uh, get back to us and tell us. Um, but uh, before we go into individual players, uh, I'd like to point out a few of the team uh, slash game plan things that I noticed. Um, I thought the ball movement was great. Uh, when we had the ball in hand and we're on the move, I thought we ran really well in waves of players down the field. Uh, we had a really good mix of that play on slash chaos ball, you know, when it was appropriate and also had the ability to slow the game down when we needed to. So credit for the coaching staff uh, for working that mix out. Um, B-Man, what did you think of, uh, of the, the game plan um, part of our game? Yeah, I thought it was, um, it was fantastic. And it's really interesting with the game plan. If you think 2018 is obviously our high watermark um, in the last few years and that style of, of, you know, the move it forward at all costs, get it forward, forward half foot, football, contest out, um, was the template we used that year. Although you might remember from about halfway through 2018, we were um, less aggressive with our zone and we set up deeper. Um, and we, from that point, I forget the exact numbers, but I think from round 12 or something to the end of the home and waste season, we conceded the least number of points of any side in the um, AFL. And even last year, um, it, we never really got smashed last year. A couple of um, sort of maybe six, seven goal losses, but, but defensively we're pretty strong and we were definitely set up deeper. Um, but it seems to me that tactically they've, they've sort of moved to a model where they've introduced a bit more tempo football. They've still got that, um, you know, Goodwin's core is that contest out forward half football. And as you say, I think what, what the big similarity for me to 2018 was that running in waves of two or three players with a player either side of the ball carrier that um, um, can be given off and often was, um, you know, and getting those goals out the back. When, when was the last game that we got four or five goals out the back of, you know, a, a Joe the Goose kick like one Wiedemann got? Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time sort of that happened on a consistent basis. I think we've been trying to do that. It just hasn't worked um, just because everything's fallen down all over the field. But, yeah, you're right. It, it, we got back to playing the way we want to play um but also with that ability to slow it down and and not just go you know not have the taco meter as they were yeah. annoyingly <laughs> talking about it that last week's game that wasn't going you know we sort of yeah. measured when to use that and 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 as the boys um sort of play a bit more together hopefully you know it works out well there was a real desperation about the way we played that even when we couldn't grab clear possession of the ball we tried to knock the ball forward and and it seemed like that sort of was happening over and over again um and i think as as the games go on maybe that'll work more in our favor but it was certainly good to see um the, the thing that was striking that first quarter is yeah, even when they got their first goal and they missed an absolute sitter um, to um, the young player, um, the, I think he was a um, first gamer, hit the post from 30 metres out, yeah. would have put a couple of goals out, uh, up. Um, but even, I don't think we scored our first goal for 15 minutes yeah. or maybe 10 minutes of that quarter perhaps. Uh, we still looked the better team and we still looked, as you say, really ferocious. We were really hitting them hard and it just felt even, you know, I guess it seems a bit silly, but even before we'd scored our first goal, it looked like uh, we were ready to uh, really get into them. And um, I was sort of confident right from from that moment, actually. Well, again, it was that frustrating thing where we had uh, more inside 50s at that stage. I think they had only gone inside uh, two or three times.
times than they had managed to score, uh, albeit they had kicked a couple of points uh, to go along with Gunston's goal. Uh, but we had had more of the play. We'd once again got it into the forward line. We just couldn't score. Um, so I thought we were in for one of those frustrating days, but uh, hope, luckily it didn't pan out. Um, I thought, uh, George, what do you think of our disposal on the whole? I thought it was much better. Lowering of the eyes, the delivery into the Ford 50 was much better. Still a few disposal issues present. A couple of, uh, you know, errant handballs here and there and a couple of dinky kicks. But on the whole, it's been a lot better the uh, last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think the, um, the important thing is the structural changes that uh, Goodwin has embraced um, uh, since that, certainly that game against Geelong. And it comes back to a couple of simple things, I think, that Craig Jennings had proposed. Um, firstly, was setting the de- the defensive structures further back down the field, not leaving those holes um, that were so evident in the Geelong game. But there were, there's a couple of flow-on effects from from that sort of thing. Um, uh, also, two, two genuine forwards uh, enables Max to go into that back line, and we saw how many times he took intercept marks to deny their opportunities um it, it just and the back the back structures are nice and solid the introduction of oscar into the back line i think has made a huge difference and all of these things that all all of the attacking moves and the runs through the middle and the the uh, cheap and easy goals that we we were getting were all coming from attack up further up the field our ability to actually get our hands on the ball at that half back line and deny them and then mount some really serious attacks so i think there's a whole uh, the whole stack of things that um flow from that uh you've got plenty of time and to envision when you haven't got any opposition players in your face all the time so the kicking becomes better it's just one thing after the other as a result of a few simple changes and and I think if we we stick to similar sorts of plans, that we'll we'll see a lot more of that, which is entertaining football to watch for all of us. Um, apart from the fact that we win the game, so that's that's even better. Um, I th- I also thought you know our defensive zones are working a lot better. Best we're, best I've seen it this year and in a long while. Um, you know, and we can go more into the defence later on when we sort of uh, talk about individual players. Our forward line pressure. Uh, in fact, the pressuring and tackling all over the field was absolutely immense. Uh, and Jack Viney can take a bow uh, for leading by example. Um, it was just our ferocity was great to see, uh, Bin Man. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree with me there. Uh, absolutely. Just uh, just on that, I think that you're spot on with the defensive zones. And I think that sort of goes to my point about um, midway through that 2018 Goodwin really focused on that zone and, and working it out. And again, you know, as much as um, last year was just a shocker and, you know, as I made the point often enough was that, you know, to me that the large part of that was injury related. We never got blown out and they still work very hard on that zone. And you look at the strongest teams now, they just don't let opposition score. And I think that really is the sort of, I guess that's the modern linchpin of footy at the moment, isn't it? That zone and defensive work that just makes it, you know, impossible to score. And, you know, with the um, kicks to uh, Gorn, geez, you'd be just ropeable if you're a Hawthorne fan. But the thing with that is that we just didn't allow them the... Um, it's a bit hard to see on the television, but, you know, we didn't allow them to cross. We didn't allow them to switch across to the fat side. Um, we, we covered those short kicks um, and we basically forced them that, that kicking down the line. I mean, surely they wouldn't have willingly wanted to kick it to Gorn all day. Um, and just from there, I think that you, know, you can create that wall that they just, at one point in the fourth quarter, it just didn't look like they were going to score a goal. 
Um, and But as you say, a big part of that is that ferocious tackling. I think at one point it was eight tackles inside 50 to one pretty early in the game. And um, we talked last week about the value of Cozzy and Hannon, and both of them were just sort of causing havoc down there. So I think that's... You know, that's the Melbourne game plan. The one wood, isn't it? That ferocity and geez, some of the tackling was just unbelievable. I'll play devil's advocate here for a second because, uh, look, there's no doubting that ferocity uh, sort of put them off their game. It, but I reckon the opposition weren't much chopped. So it, not saying we didn't play well, but how much of it is you know, the opposition playing badly, like within about 10 minutes, we had stopped them playing the way that they wanted to play. Um, And then after that, you know, some of their ball movement was like our, our ball movement circa late 2000s, early 2010s when they, you know, when they had no movement whatsoever, there were no leads, no options, but that's obviously, we were sort of forcing that on them. Um, The injury to O'Brien certainly didn't help them. Um, you know, but what are you going to do? That's just bad luck and that can happen to any team. But how much of it was our, us, our pressure, us sort of shutting them down and how much is it of them just not being much chopped this year? It's, I, I think it's certainly the case that Hawthorne aren't much chopped. Uh, I think McAvoy um, was the barometer of where they stand at the moment. He was just awful. Um, but he's been awful in a couple of games this year. They, they were trying him down... Um, yeah, down in the back line to fill a hole at one stage until Segler uh, got injured. Um, but it, it's just not the Hawthorne team of all. Old, you know, Burgoyne is suddenly uh, slow and he was he was caught um, to give us our first goal. Um, didn't see him for the match. I think uh, successfully, um, particularly from my perspective, they blanketed Smith uh, with Brayshaw and Van der Berg on the wing. All of a sudden, there's no no avenues that Hawthorne have traditionally used to get the ball down the field, um, and even when they get the, the ball down the field, there's there's no longer any Cyril Rioli up the other end, and no no uh, rough heads and um, of those ilk of, of players. So we're just seeing a shell of what Hawthorne used to be. But just as equally, we had to do the work to stop people like Smith and and cut off those options because they they, they would readily have gone to their kick and kick and hold sort of tactics but we just didn't give them the option they were forced to go down the line time and time again yeah. so um we contributed to it but uh yeah they're, they're only a shell of of the um of the side that they used to be even from last year well, on that i'd sort of make two contradictory points in, in some respects is i predicted before the game that um you know, that we'd have a good win and that I think that we're sort of a three to four goal better side. But um, you've still got to do it, don't you? And, uh, uh, you know, so leaving yeah. that aside, yeah. the contradictory point is that no one else thought that out there in football land. So tips were pretty evenly split. Um, and what I think is a pretty good barometer or a good um, gauge on a team's chances, they were slight favourites with the bookmakers um, for that game. So, um, you know, my confidence aside, and I agree, they're not certainly not the side they were, but we never allowed them to get their rhythm. And it was a combination of tactically, I thought it was a really good game by um, um, Goodwin, who's had a 
good couple of weeks tactically. Physically, we just smashed them. Uh, definitely hurt them having O'Brien. That that really threw them, uh, I think, in terms of their own structure. Um, but, you know, how often in the past have we said, you know, we're up against the team we should win and we don't. Um, and I think that we just never allowed them into the game. I think that that, that model of chip around is there's a weakness to it in, in that if you get two or three goals up on that model, then it's really hard for them to adjust. And that's exactly what happened. We were two goals up at the end of the first quarter, but it really felt like we were three, four goals up. And um, we soon were three, four goals up um, not long into the second quarter. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, I'll move on to some individual uh, efforts. Um, uh, first one's got to be uh, Christian Petrarca. Uh, absolutely sublime. Um, you know, his, his disposal was so much better than it was last week. Uh, some of his bullish acts to extract the ball burst through packs, giving the don't argues and just leaving opponents in his wake, you know, with his bursts of strength and speed. It's just bellissimo uh, to see. He just keeps going to another level in 2020 and he's, he's well on his way to an All-Australian this year uh, if he keeps that up. He was immense, wasn't he? And I was trying to think, I, I was talking to a friend, I can't recall a player similar to uh, Petrarca at Melbourne. And I, It sounds, it's a bit of a stretch, but Rhino Richards was the last player with his sort of combination of speed and power and Rhino Richards wasn't um, as good a player as Petrarca is, but um, we haven't had too many of those. I guess hadn't been too many in the AFL, to be honest. But that combination of power, um, strength, but also his ability to read the play. I think he's just terrific um, at sort of intercept and knowing how to sort of put himself into spots where he gets the ball. Yeah, um, I'll ask both of you. There were comments uh, by Shane Crawford about him being one of the best players, certainly the most informed players in the competition right now. And and I'd say in in terms of uh, right now, definitely that's those comments are bang on. Uh, I don't love the pressure that those comments sort of bring, uh, but I love the tracks now in that conversation. Um, I, I don't love the comparisons yet to, to Dusty just because Dusty's got, you know, sort of a, a, a mantelpiece of uh, some silverware and uh, medals and and uh, and trophies and all that uh, to sort of uh, back up his recent, um, you know, achievements. Uh, but I, I love that he's in that conversation. I hope he can, he can sort of match uh, Dusty um, in the coming years. Uh, George? Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with uh, a bit man. Um, it's been a long time since this club's had a player who can rip a game apart. Yeah. And um, he, he's exactly that, and that's exactly what he did on the weekend in, in conjunction with Max, of course. But, boy, he just ripped that game apart. And the last player that I can remember who had that capability was David Schwartz. Um, mm. um, different, different players, but both that ability yeah. just to completely turn a game off their own individual efforts. Um, it was it was very, very pleasing to, to see, and I think that... It was really that that last mark that he took um, uh, in front of Sicily. Now Sicily would have would have demolished uh, anybody else in that situation, but Tracker just leaned back on him yeah. and and just gave him nothing. Yeah, so, and you could just see the frustration in Sicily. Apart from yeah. the fact that they were losing badly, you could just see the frustration uh, of Sicily in that circumstance because he knew he was playing on someone seriously good. 
Yeah, I think he thought the ball might have gone over his head and Track just found that extra stretch uh, to get it. A couple of important uh, statistics on Track. The 29 disposals, 16 contested, uh, the one goal, the three goal assists, and, the, and what's more impressive is the 14 score involvements. That's just immense. I, I don't really follow that that statistic too much, but whenever it sort of pops up, I really take notice, and that's just incredible. I, I would love to know sort of what... Um, how often that happens, what players like Dusty, because I don't follow that stat, uh, would love to see what uh, they get at their best as well. I'm not saying that they don't, but, um, yeah, <laughs> pretty impressive. He's, con- he's contested um, stats were through the roof as well. He's got, yeah, 16. I looked today at his stats and he's up, I think he's averaging 24, nearly 25 possessions a game, up from 21 last year. And you've got to remember this. it's shorter games. Shorter game, 16-minute quarter, so 20% less game time. Yeah. Last year, he played 70% forward, 30% uh, in the midfield. It's exactly the opposite this yeah. season. He averaged 0.9, just under a goal a game last year. He's already 1.1 this year. I mean, he's just in a rare form. And he's the sort of player with his strength. I mean, you couldn't really tag him out of the game because he just he just goes – he's going through tackles at, a mo- at the moment in the way that – you know, maybe Dangerfield can and, and Martin when he's up and going can, but not many other players can sort of break through at the speed he can. Yeah, the other thing that um, I think Petrak has done is, is he's improved his kicking dramatically. Um, you recall last year and the year before, particularly he had that really high ball drop yeah. and um, yeah. he, he would have struggled uh, you know, with the goal that he kicked from just on the 50-metre mark this week and the one from just outside last week. Uh, in previous years, he would have struggled with that with his ball drop, but he's he's changed that um, for the better, and he he got up both of those scores quite easily. But just just as equally was that absolute worm burner that he um, yeah. kicked to Wiedemann in the second quarter. Um, <laughs> that that was something spectacular to watch on its own. You know, it's from 50 metres to, to absolutely drill it down his down Wiedemann's throat from that distance, just above. Gr- barely a metre off the ground was just spectacular to watch. It wasn't. And not even off a step. Like, he barely, like, he didn't have a step. He just sort of pivoted it on his foot. He sort of looked. He knew, he obviously knew that Wiedemann was in the square and pivoted and just punched that ball and, you know, obviously had to clear Frawley. Um, And, yeah, that was something else. He did one later in the game, which probably didn't get as much attention because the game was done and dusted. I mean, the timing of that goal was it was fantastic because it sort of kept the momentum going. It was, I think, only in the second quarter, wasn't it? Yeah. But the last one he kicked to um, Frida was just unbelievable. He was on the boundary. He was under pressure from yeah. the fella behind him tackling him, and he, he hit a uh, pass to Fritsch who was running directly towards the goal. He had two Hawthorne players he was running towards, and somehow or other he weighted it so well that Fritsch hit the ball without even um, breaking stride and um, straight into an open goal. It was just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and the one that he did to Wiedemann, I don't even, I didn't even know how he knew uh, Wiedemann was there because it didn't even look like he, um, he even looked in that direction before he got the ball or once he got it. So uh, just... Um 
Just incredible. Uh, we'll move on to Gorney. Um, perfect captain's game. Dominated uh, all game in the ruck and in, in the marking all over the ground. Yeah, put on an absolute clinic for, for McAvoy. Uh, 22 disposals, 16 contested, uh, 8 marks, uh, 6 contested, and the, the 27 hitouts, but also uh, two of his own centre clearances, um, which he's just sort of you know grow, growing in confidence, sort of even with the ground ball. You notice he gets he picks up the ball a lot off the ground, so he, he's just absolutely immense as well. Um, th- what I wanted to yeah, was, was, uh, go ahead, Jude. You go. Yeah, I, I think there was a very good reason why Gorn and Petraka were both given the top uh, coaches votes this for this week. Um, it was just as equally uh, a magnificent performance, and McAvoy up to this year has always troubled him, uh, but. Mm. I saw a couple of the midfield ruck contests where he just pushed McAvoy around like a rag doll. And, you know, that, that has certainly never happened before. This this is a new Max Gorn, I think, that we're starting to see here, which could be very frightening for a few other ruckmen in the competition. Who gets the um, who gets the three votes this week? Um, uh, Track got the perfect ten coaches votes. Uh, Max got the almost perfect eight coaches votes. Uh, um if you're an umpire bin man, who who gets the three votes? I have to say that was one of the more enjoyable discussions sort of rolling around uh, um, Demon Land for uh, yesterday and Sunday. And it's, it's good. You've had a good win when you're working out who's going to get the three votes between two players. <laughs> Personally, I'd, um, I'd give it to Gorn. And I, I, I wondered after the game on Sunday if that was the best game of footy I've seen a Melbourne player play. I've watched the replay, I've watched half of it now, and um, I think George makes a good point. McAvoy was pretty poor, actually, so perhaps that brings it down a notch. But if you think of impact, he just had an incredible impact. I know um, Petrarca did as well, but you know, I can't imagine that game without Gorn playing. You know, It would have been a completely different game. Petrarca as well, but more just it wouldn't have been as enjoyable with Tracker didn't play. I guess your point about the 14 scorer involvement perhaps contradicts that as well. But he was unbelievable, Gorn. And I haven't seen a, a Ruckman like that, a game like that since Gary Dempsey at his peak. Um, he, his tap work was unbelievable. And it seems to me he's got fitter. Um, and I don't know if I'm imagining it, but he also seems to be jumping higher. Um, he's, he gets down below his knees. He picks up balls. He re- reads the ball unbelievably well, and he's just clunking his marks at the mm-hmm. moment. As I say, I, I'm struggling to think of a better game. There's been some individual ones. Farmer kicking nine in the second half against uh, Collingwood was a great individual game, and I think Schwartz is probably George is the last time I can recall a player being that dominant. But I, I'd give him the three votes. Uh, Lyon kicking 10 goals in three quarters as well uh, is up there too um, in a final. Um, uh, Jack Viney, um, you know, this is the Viney we want to see week in, week out, an absolute tackling beast. Uh, the pr- his pressure that he, he applies is enormous. You wouldn't want him on your tail. Uh, he's a lot more measured as well with his uh, disposing of the ball, uh, really lowering the eyes. I think he's took the criticism on board that uh, probably I think it was after the Geelong game when sort of the focus was on the Ds and, and our disposal. Um, really well measured game. Went in a bit in and out a bit, but uh, this, you know, yeah. <laughs> again, another fantastic game and that's what we want to see from him. Um, yeah, I was, I was impressed also with uh, Viney's kicking. Um, I think the first kick that he gave to Fritsch, which must have been, you know, 50 metres at least, but it hit Fritsch on the on the uh, right on the chest 
amongst a couple of other Hawthorne players. And I thought, I, I haven't seen Viney kick that well since he's been at the club. Um, yeah. So maybe there's there's more improvements being made um, outside what's visible to us at the game itself. But yeah, he was much more confident about the way he's approaching and delivering the ball. So all positives. That, that was a spectacular kick um, and important too. It was, I thought he, he was really valuable and he also he's just, he's want, I guess he was really sort of, I think he's been great this year generally with his leadership actually, but that kick was a beauty and I was just on that. I was amazed that Fritter didn't get a uh, 50 um, fully pushed yeah. straight back afterwards, but he, um, my disappointment of the day actually was that he didn't kick that goal at the beginning of the um, fourth quarter. Oh. After that series, a beautiful tap. I think he got the ball, flipped it to Petrarca. Petrarca waited and he ran forward. That was was that the one where he got someone was on his back and he threw him off. Um, and he had a shot from just outside fifty that missed to the left. That just would have, I reckon, if he got that goal, I can't see you know. Perhaps it was the beginning of the third quarter. It was the beginning of the third quarter. Um, we might have won that game by 10 goals if that had gone through. Yeah, they, I was. I think I said in the uh, game day thread that it, that would have been an absolute goal of the year. It was fantastic. Um, we've got a question from the uh, chat room. Uh, Engorged Onion uh, says, gentlemen, regarding Viney or all the midfield, is it coach or self-directed approach to change his kicking? Either of you want to take that? I mean, we, we don't know. <laughs> we, we would have no idea. <laughs> um, but, you know, whether, what I'd uh, say, certainly though, he, he, yeah. Go ahead, uh, uh, B-Man, you go and then... Uh, do Sorry, it. George. Sorry that's that's right. Yeah, I was going to say there was clearly a change, a shift in the um, Gold Coast game in terms of the whole team being more measured with their kicking um, and slowing down a bit. And um, Viney seems to have slowed down a bit um, in terms of, and maybe that's a psychological thing and someone sort of, you know, I think a lot happens where Goodwin gets criticised because you see the evidence of it not working, for instance, but a lot of the things that do work, perhaps you just don't see the evidence and that might be a really good example of it. Um, he might have, you know, good coaching is working, man management, and he might have found a way to to um, help Viney slow down his sort of thinking and not be quite so bullet a gate and, um, um, he, you know, that kick he kicked. Ironically, his best kick prior to that one of Fritter was on his right foot to Petrarca against the Suns, and that was a function of him slowing down and, and looking at his options forward. So, yeah, I wonder whether technique doesn't improve, but decision making can come. Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, George, anything to add on that? No, no. Apart from the that, if if the technique changes, sometimes sorry, if the decision making changes, sometimes your technique improves. It just looks better because you're doing a better job with uh, the um, time that you've got available, the time you make. Um, instead of kicking it up in, you know, up in the air in hope, um, take that extra half a second and put it down someone's throat, and people think you're a fantastic kick. Uh, suddenly, but uh, you may not actually be kicking any better. It's just you're making the correct decisions in the first place. So, more may may there be more of this sort of thing. Uh, the other factor with the kicking too, I think, is that there's been noticeably less kicks to that 30 metres out directly in front. Which, even if you get it there, it looks terrible if your opposition mark it, doesn't it? And so it's not always necessarily. Uh, a function of a bad kick. It's just that bad decision to put it into that one, one spot. There's six opposition marking for um, defenders. So, um, yep. yeah, I, I think that you know, credit where it's due for for across the board, actually. 
Um, Engorge Dungan says, nice response, gents. Um, if you do want to join us, if you're listening live, demonland.com slash podcast, you can ask a question like Engorge Dungan just did, or you can give us a call 03 or Skype us at Demonland31. We'll move on to Clary. I thought he improved as the game went on. I think he's getting better at choosing when to handball and when to kick. Uh, a couple of his disposals were shockers. There was a dinky kick in the middle of the ground and there was that handball to a stationary Max Gorn who wasn't even looking. Um, <laughs> but he just adds to that midfield that just seems to be purring along at the moment. Um, B-Man, Clary, thoughts on him? Yeah, look, it was great to see him um, get some um, value out of his effort because I, I think his effort's been there this year is again it's a bit what we we're saying with the combination of he i don't think his technique kicking technique is great either he tends to helicopter it a bit um and his decision making has been a little bit sort of off in the last little you know last year as well but this year but i thought someone's got in his ear and said we want you to get the ball forward a lot more and maybe just asked him to focus on that and uh, uh, with that change i think he's a lot more damaging even if he does helicopter if he helicopters at 60 meters down the park um it clears the congestion and uh, he gets some value for his uh, effort because you, there's one thing you can't sort of knock his his effort and, I, and the other thing that there has been a knock on him is his defensive run, running and that's something um it's quite hard to see on telly but he seemed to be really working hard he's not the quickest player but he seemed to be working hard defensively with his running so that's terrific yeah i must agree with the the uh, thing you mentioned about on the tv uh, that's the the one thing that uh, I've really missed not being at the games, uh, obviously missed not being at the games in general, uh, but the fact that you cannot see what's happening around the field, and that's what I like about being at a game live, particularly at Demons games, because you get to see what else is sort of happening, what the options are upfield or behind the play, and you obviously don't get that on TV. Um, so hopefully we can get back to the footy one of these days and be able to sort of see that because even when we're sort of talking about, you know, sort of critiquing the game or, or talking about it, it sort of helps to see what was on offer uh, up the field or to the side or behind uh, behind the play um, and also be able to see some of the gut running. Like I noticed on the replay when I watched, uh, uh, and I must, I'll give a plug to KO because... Uh, it makes it really easy to re-watch the games. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have have a subscription to it, but mm, it makes yeah, it easy. And I actually yeah. use the function, the uh, watching it in uh, 1.5 speed. Uh, you can really get through the game a lot quicker. <laughs> 16 minute quarters are down. So. <laughs> yeah, I watch yeah, the game in 10 minutes. <laughs> and if we lose, you can go even faster. Oh, you can just delete delete the app when yeah. you lose. <laughs> uh, I watched that game on on. Seven and um, but they flipped over to KO at half time to see whether there were the fox was, was on um, and I can't recall if it was but the um, I, first time I've ever done this but I watched 20 minutes or 15 minutes of that second quarter so <laughs> I was during the halftime break so yeah it was uh, you know, a good thing for KO it was um, a good thing you can do on KO yeah yeah um, well, uh, yes they, they can send us some sponsorship money now can they uh, yeah, yeah, yes please yeah. Uh, well you know I got <laughs> sucked into that $2 um, you know deal that we had earlier on and then I got uh, charged $25 the other day <laughs> Oh, well, just add it to paid the. Off. It's worth twenty five dollars. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, absolutely. I've just now got to get rid of Foxtel that I've been meaning to get rid of because uh, uh, 
Uh, don't really while use we're talking, While we're talking on Clary, um, <laughs> yeah. do either of you think that the um, uh, addition of Petrarca into the midfield in particular this year has resulted in Clary having a lot more freedom? I've, I've noticed that he's getting a lot more of the ball on the outside rather than him being the one with the head down over the ball trying to fight for it all the time. I think that's been huge um, and um, really important for his game and his freedom up a bit. And I think the same is true of Viney because Viney was, uh, wasn't fit for a big part of last year and was in and out and not the sort of um, ferocious player he is this year. And um, I think that's a really good point, George, because he does look a little... That, perhaps that's why he's been a little bit more... Da- being able to be a bit more damaging and offensive with his kicking. Um, and it must help having a beast like Petrarca actually getting the pill and feeding it to you rather than him being all the time. Yep. The other thing about um, Oliver, though, is the umpires hate him. He just never gets a free kick, <laughs> and um, he seems to uh, um, deserve quite a few, but perhaps that's my Melbourne uh, bias. Um, yeah, I... Um it's going to be interesting when we start coming up against some opposition teams. We'll talk about the fixture that's been released, and we're playing a couple of the top te- top top of the ladder teams in the next few weeks. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of matching up with our players, whether they go the tag on Petrarca because he's sort of the flavour of the month. Uh, but that'll obviously free up because it was always Clary that would sort of be the one to maybe get that hard tag. So uh, it'll be interesting because you tag Petrarca and you might let um, let uh, Clary off the leash so yeah that's going to be interesting in the coming weeks um, we'll move on can I, can I just make a point yeah, about tagging sure. and the, the point you made about not being at the game and yep. that's I really miss watching the game as I've, I think I've said on the podcast before I, I like to sit at the top I always sit at the top of the Ponsford sand at the RMG one of the reasons I like that is being able to have that high view across the ground and seeing the running patterns um, but also seeing who's running with who. And I could not work out um, who was on Smith. Um, and uh, I, I've, AFL.com have got um, that AFL Pro. I'm not sure if either of you have ever used this. No. I watch all of Petrarca's involvements for the game. It was like watching some sort of, I don't know, some sort of t- uh, demon land porn or something. There. Wait, what is, what, is, what is this? It's on AFL.com. It's called AFL Pro. Yeah. And you can watch, I presume um, it's sold to the clubs. It's a function for the clubs. Um, and you can watch, it has vision of every involvement in the game that a player has for, for every game for the last four years. Really? Um, every player? You can, put a, you can put a player in, yeah. name in and get their involvements? Every involvement. Um, and they're 1%, and not just their possessions, they're one percenters, tackles, uh, mistakes. Um, Wait, did, so he uh, might have had forty. Are you, are you talking about stats or vision of it? Vision. Wow. Um, it's oh. called AFL Pro, um, and if you go to AFL.com, you need to be a LivePass member. Which and I if am. you're a Telstra member, they're yeah. speaking. <laughs> you can do it. Um, and so I've, I've looked at a, a number of players, including him and Oscar McDonald, and I do it regularly. And um, I haven't done so much this year, but it's fantastic. So every single involvement, and I tried to work out who was on Smith and for the life of me I couldn't um, because it didn't look like there was any regular person. I thought it might have been Harms and it wasn't. Harms was on um, someone else that looked like and it wasn't Then I looked at um, Smith's footage and I couldn't work it out uh, and the player who was closest to him most was Viney um, and I wondered whether Viney spent a bit of time sitting on him but it was 
incredibly difficult to work out who was on Smith. Um, so, you know, perhaps they didn't run anyone with him. Um, otherwise, there would have been footage of him being tackled. Or I, only, I only saw Smith... Um, Basically, he actually had very little involvement in the overall game, so perhaps that's why there was no little vision. But I, I only noticed that uh, they had Vandenberg and or Brayshaw on his wing, um, certainly at centre bounces, um, so they might have varied that up a bit. But the fact that Smith got so had so little involvement in the game and so little effect, I think, was a real credit, again, to yeah. the coaching staff and whoever the players that were that they had on him. Well, I, I watched all of Smith's involvements for the same for that reason, trying to work out who was on him. Uh, and I think three of his involvements were in one chain, um, one chain of handball that they scored in the I think a junk time goal in the last quarter. Um, so it was I think he only had like seven or eight involvements for the whole game, and three were in one chain. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to uh, check that out. Um, I'll move on to uh, Harley Benel. I, I'll. Declare it now. I love Harley Bennell. Uh, he uses the ball very well. He always seems to have more time. I said that last week. I, week. I did not have any doubt that he would kick that goal that he kicked when he was on the run. It was uh, usually I'm like you know closing my eyes, but I, I absolutely knew he'd kick that. Uh, links up beautifully uh, with with the teammates. He's, he's slotted in really nicely. Um, just love everything it does and I don't even think we've seen a fraction of what he's capable of um, and very excited about the prospect of having him in the team and hopefully his body holds up and it looks like so far it is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's fantastic. He not, only, not only in the skill levels but even at this stage and you've got to remember he really hasn't played football for yep. you know, almost three or four years. Um, this is only, only his first couple of games back but... Um, I just like his involvement as well. Um, uh, the second goal, I think, with, that uh, was it. Viney kicked the second goal. Um, the ta- the other half of the tackle was was Harley Bedell, um, who took took. Uh, yeah. I think it was O'Meara's hand out. Um, didn't allow him to get away, and then yeah. Viney tackled the player. So, um, yeah. I just like his work around the ground, even at this stage in a, in a new team for him. Uh, his vision is just just superb. That pass of his when he was sort of free at 50 coming into the into the 50 and he passed it off to Pickett who was all on his own was just again just brilliance uh, not just the delivery and it was, it was nice to see him getting that relatively easy goal um, from about the 35 on the run all on his own uh, because he, he certainly put it in the work um, in all sorts of other aspects of the game he deserved it thoroughly a couple of things. Uh, that goal, I, I was speaking to a mate of mine who's a D's fan, and um, uh, I said to him, I can't <laughs> – nine players out of ten, probably more if that's possible, um, of Melbourne, I would back 50-50 from that spot, even though he was under no pressure. Uh, and like Gord Judnian has said uh, in the chat room and Andy as well, the, I had no doubt he was going to kick it. He balanced, took that two steps, and I had no doubt whatsoever he was going to get it. And that was a pretty uh, unusual feeling to have about a Melbourne player <laughs> running the goals. I have to say, I had to check what jumper he was wearing. The, the other thing, a couple of few weeks ago, you guys were talking about um, about maybe his physical commitment wasn't quite there, or. or um, and yeah. he was subsequently dropped and, you know, there was sort of, I don't know, if code that was code from Goody about the defensive running or 
it does look a tiny bit hesitant going into yeah. sort of yeah, I was gonna, situations. But I was going to say that. Me, yeah, it makes I, it's completely understandable given where he's come from, uh, and we don't need another. He's not an extractor of the ball. I, I don't, I'm not expecting him to get in and get under. Like I don't, he's not shirking contests. But I'm not. You don't. Not every player has to be that player that goes in and puts head first and gets the ball. Uh, as long as he's having the score involvement, he's he's doing, he, he's contrib- contrib- contributing uh, in the games, which he is. I'm happy for him to play that receiver type role. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's as I said, Profeller has been out of the game for the length of time he has, um, and who is the last thing he wants to do is get injured, um, obviously. So it's sort of understandable to an extent that he'd be, you know, not hesitant a tiny bit subconsciously. And uh, you know, as you say, if I don't want, I want him delivering inside fifty. I don't want him doing what Vandenberg does. Yeah, yeah. they're like they're like yin and yang. He can tackle, but he couldn't hit the side of a barn. <laughs> <laughs> in that game, he was terrible. His kicking was appalling. Um, but that's not what we got Harley for, is it? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And, and I did watch him for that. And if you do watch the replay, you can see he does, he sort of steps, stays back a bit when the ball is there. But there are other players around who are going in. And I, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, mm. I think he, he seems a little tiny bit... Um, like he, he struggles to get down for that ball in front of him. And I wonder whether yeah. that's around his sort of nervousness about his calves. Could be. Yeah. It's um, not just when it, he's thinking, it looks like he's worrying about contact. It seems like he just struggles with that. Or, or maybe, you know, when you see a play coming back, like Lever when he was coming back from his knee, how they seem to hesitate wanting to do the turn. So I wonder whether that's a factor. Um, the other thing about Harley Bunnell was interesting. You said KO is on telly, you don't see the stuff that happens during the um, while the ads are on, obviously. But when I watch the replay um, of that game on KO, uh, they have the full um, – they keep talking through the break so they don't have the ads. Uh, and there are a couple of times they had a shot of him and um, uh, Melksham, I think, talking during the halftime break. And the, the discussion looked about the game. And um, he's also um, really good with um, uh, Cozzy. And so I yeah. think that perhaps his leadership – might be something a quiet leadership that he's bringing to the club that maybe people hadn't expected from him or, or thought that he'd bring. Yep, agree, hundred uh, percent. Speaking of Cosy, is uh, just getting better and better. Um, uh, you know that little shimmy uh, and three hundred and sixty blind handball on the fifty meter arc was just poetry in motion. He's kicked two goals this week. He's really, he's he's, he's you know not getting a heap of possessions. But he's sort of doing these like small acts. He's, he's that pressure acts. He's always there. Um, I, th- I think it's only a matter of time before he breaks the game open um, and, and does those cosy things uh, that we've just seen glimpses of. Uh, but I'm very happy with him so far in his development. Yeah, he's, I, I used the term last week. I think he just terrifies the opposition mm. uh, uh, defenders. They've got to be looking over their shoulder all the time when he's around they're starting to get the message that when he's around, you've got to be careful, which is, which is a great situation for us to be in. Um, I was really impressed with that last goal that he kicked, though, that um, Bunnell kicked to, kicked to him. It was mm. absolutely, utterly straight through the middle, no questions, no. It was, it was just pure yeah. footballer class. And, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to see some wonderful, have some wonderful uh, vision of him in the future. So it'll be nice to get back to some real footy to see it live. Oh, yeah, no, 
around that kick. There were three cosy highlights for me in that game. Not that little dance there. That was kind of weird, actually. <laughs> I don't know what he was. He got, he got rid of two actually. players, though, didn't he, in that situation? And got the ball to 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 Jeddah, who almost uh, you know kicked it to uh, uh, Wiedemann, who's almost took the mark, and we might yeah. have got a goal out of it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, the three highlights were. Um, uh, that kick and the camera angle was terrific. It, as you say, it just went dead, dead straight, didn't it? Like completely yeah. like a die. And um, uh, was it, his rundown or attempted rundown, he, he seemed to be going so, so fast that he, that he couldn't actually stop um, when he tried to run down Day. He must have run 50 metres and made heaps of ground on him when Day was trying to run it out of the ground and sort of slipped. He didn't hold the tackle, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, it just would have been fantastic. And then the goal that he kicked, his first goal, it was sort of a weird scissor kick, but it went about 30 metres past the goal. Yes. Like it went high and long and yeah. just off a sort of half step. Um, and he just really got great purchase on it. And yeah, he, he's, I, I think we're going to be enjoying him playing, as you say, George. I can't wait to see him at the G. Yeah, so he's uh, he's only had uh, six possessions, but he's had four score involvements, uh, which I think is important. And I'd just like to see him stick a few tackles. There were a few that he sort of got his hands onto them but sort of didn't stick them. And I think that'll come with strength and, and, and experience. Uh, but very exciting. Um, the other... And he'll get a few goals where he, like a couple of times he hit the pack and didn't quite come off, but he'll he'll snag yeah. his share of crumbs where yeah. he just sort of comes through a pack and grabs it. And exactly, exactly. That, that'll come. I'm not worried about that. And the other one that I was very impressed with, uh, Jackson, uh, starting to hit his straps, got a lot more of the ball, took a few strong marks. And even if he didn't clunk it, he, he was competing and getting the ball to the ground so that the small forwards could, could pounce. His rucking isn't quite there, but I think that's, um, you know, a bit of strength, you know, will come with the strength and uh, experience. Uh, but I love his ability that if he doesn't win the ruck contest, he's able to still um, rove, rove the ball, uh, you know, in, in those contests. And, you know, I was, I was excited by his game and I'd like to see him get a few more games on the trot to find his feet. And we'll talk about this in a minute about his selection next week, um, which might be interesting, particularly if T-Mac's fit. And we'll, we'll talk about Wiedemann next and then we we'll, might bring uh, the whole T-Mac thing into it. Uh, but Jackson, uh, Binman, uh, thoughts on, on his game? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a bit like the first game, but better, obviously. Yeah. He didn't sort of, stats-wise, he wasn't super you know, amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, like you, I, and, I, and I wonder whether that was the whole sort of motivation in round one was energy with Benel and Cozzy and... Um, um, because he played again, uh, and Jackson, um, he, sorry, round two, I should say, the um, round one, um, um, it's it the energy he brings. He brings yeah. a, a real energy, and I have to say, we'll no doubt touch on it with the selection next week, but Tom McDonald hasn't brought that energy, has he? It's not just the sort of his marking or whatever. It's the, I don't know, he's got an effervescence about him that, um, must bring his um, teammates up a bit. Uh, and I really like the way he got up and down the ground. He, um, he was a problem for them because he was a match-up problem with his height. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're being a bit tough on him with his ruck. I, I, I reckon his um, ruck craft is actually really good. And if you watch him, uh, he's really trying to work Palmer. Um, and I mean, he certainly got the best ruckman in the league um, helping him there, hasn't he? So I think it was more the um, like the boundary throw-ins where it's a bit more physical, yeah. body on body, not not yep. the one on one, you know, not the mid centre of the ground ball ups. 
Well, his leap's so big in the centre yeah. of the ground that, like, the, the, it gives the opposition um, coaches a problem because go and rest, what do you do? That's the time to rest your own ruckman with 16-minute quarters. There, You can't really run, you know, you can run your ruckman all day, but you want to give him a chop out from Gorn. So the obvious thing to do is to correspond when he's resting. But can you afford to do that when you've got a fellow who can jump over the top of your all of your ruckman, um, let alone their second-best ruckman? Yeah. George, anything on that you want to add on Jackson? Uh, not a great great deal. I think, again, we can be excited about what we're seeing already. I was impressed the um, the very first uh, play involvement that he was in. He was going for a mark in a pack, and he hit that pack absolutely as hard as he could. And I thought, oh, this this kid's going to be trying from day one. You know, there, there wasn't any holding back or, or being worried about his own, own um uh, welfare, yeah, uh, that. and that's a that's a great sign to see in some someone who's either a forward or a ruck. He's 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 going to provide us with something special, and he's got the athleticism, you know, that that when he was involved in that uh, link of handballs up the middle, um, yeah, and and then the delivery into the forward line uh, that we got. I can't remember who finished up on the end of it. Um, that was, that was just, yeah. Yeah, it's just just great, to, just great to see. So, but as as Bin Man said, having him as a, as a as a proper backup ruck um, who can do other things as well on the ground. Our problem up to date has been when Max does go off, and we'll probably run into this more next year with longer quarters. Um, we need someone who can ruck for a longer period of time, not just two or three minutes. And Jackson will be the one who can do that job, but also fill in a role at, in the forward line as well. That's going to be critical for us, I think, in the future. It's going to be very good for us. Well, that's what that's what I like about it. Like we used to pull out, um, you know, either a T-Mac or a, or a, or a Wiedemann or even uh, mm. go back to Camp Edison out of the forward line, but none of them were genuine rucks. And even though they could mm. sort of hold their own and Jackson will body on body be able to hold his own as he builds up his strength, but he's a genuine, he can play for the forward as a forward. And, and look, he, he there were a few times where he, didn't quite get that mark, but soon he's going to start marking that there was one that bounced off his chest that may hit him, you know, sort of lace yeah. out, but maybe a bit too hard. Um, and there were a couple of times where he just sort of missed it, but he'll get those and he's a genuine forward and also a genuine ruck threat. So we haven't had that. Uh, we've always had that relief ruckman, um, you know, not being a ruckman. Um, and then when they're out of the ruck, they're, they're on the forward line. I'm excited. I really like him. And we've again, we've only seen a tiny uh, bit of what uh, he can do. Um, just, just to, sorry, just a final point. That, sure. um, even in the 16-minute quarters, George, I reckon um, what he gives us that no other player does is, is um, it's some tactical flexibility. So um, they can then use Gorn in a different way and he can they can choose then to use Gorn as a weapon, either forward or back. or, or um, um, But without him in the side... Um, they're less, they're less likely, or they're less able to do that, and to use him in a different spot to create a, you know, matchup problem or, or just to stretch the opposition. Yeah, this, this is the, um, the, the value of having those two tall forwards at least. You know, and you've got Wiedemann and Jackson who can do a forward, particularly a forward role in the ruck. It just leaves Max that kick behind play, and he doesn't have to run all over the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe that's another reason why Max is looking fitter than before. It's because he's not having to cover the miles. So, yeah, yeah. it's um, a big positive I, for us. I rate Wiedemann's rucking as well. And you can have him take boundary line throw-ins down, uh, the throw-ins in the forward 
you know, Harpen if Tom McDonald's playing him too. So it doesn't have to be um, exposing Jackson to the sort of boundary. That's where the wrestling happens and the strength comes into it and just keep him for the centre bounces because no one's going to jump over the top of him. Exactly. Um, uh, we'll move on to uh, Wiedemann. Uh, you know, very impressive game. He led beautifully into space. He's tough in the contest. I loved it when he got absolutely poleaxed and he got straight back up and even played on. Um, the three goals, which could have easily have been four or five, uh, missed a, a gettable one or two and he gave that one off to Jackson. Uh, excellent game, which is exactly what we want from a key forward. He was good, wasn't he? I was a bit early. When, when you start watching their game and watch the replay, I think just, well, I don't know why I was worried at that stage, but I was a bit annoyed with two bits of play that he did. He had a beautiful kick in from, um, I forget who it was actually, maybe it was the one where Cozzy had set that up to um, Jetta, where he had his defender underneath the ball and just couldn't push him under it and um, drop that mark. I thought that's one a good forward would swallow. And then he was a bit unlucky when I realised in the on the replay, but, you know, the old rule play to the whistle when Frost of all players ran off him and uh, went up the other end. Fortunately, that was the play where the, the young fella hit the post from dead in front. But um, for me, that was a pretty bad start. But after that, he, was, he competed super. Uh, he tackled hard. He really hit the packs well. Um, I'm glad he got up from that sort of front-on hit that he copped because um, that looked pretty nasty when it first happened. So, I, yeah, I couldn't have been more impressed. And the other thing was his kicking was nice as well. So um, took his chances. Um, and he, he I, I just feel like he's a real confidence player, a player that sort mm. of needs to be up and about. And if they've got him in that headspace, he, he can start to fulfil his potential. That's that's the uh, important thing, I think, for Wiedemann, isn't it? That headspace that... Um, uh, the message, obviously, uh, from when he was dropped was you need to be putting in all the time. And in this game, that's exactly what we we saw. Um, the goals that he got were, quite frankly, quite easy, but you can't complain about that. You get easy ones sometimes, but it was the competition that he was providing um, up the ground and, and in the forward line, bringing the ball to ground, which is obviously that's what the coaches want him to do, keep doing that. Um, you'll get all these bonuses uh, um, like he did in this game, um, but uh, he's, he's doing—he's filling a, a great role. Um, that you know, initially when Tom went down, I was worried how how in the hell we were going to cover. Um, well, they were between Jackson and Wiedemann, though he was well and truly covered uh, in terms of our needs for this game. So yeah, big positive for Weed as well. So I'll pose, uh, go ahead, uh, B-Man. I was just going to say one of the things that he benefited from the whole team did is at one point it looked like they were guarding space and there were holes everywhere. That tra- There was a kick from Harms to, um, of all players, Petrarca, who Daisy Pierce, she must be at the ground, but um, must have been at the ground, I think, because she picked that um, uh, Petrarca was free and he was all by himself in the forward pocket and uh, Harms picked him out. Um, that space is a team was is how we used to be when we first started implementing the um, zone. If you remember, it was like what's going on. It felt like we're always a player down, and they couldn't quite work it out. Um, but I think that's a function of how well we are moving the ball and in those waves, and they just can't get back to create that zone properly. Uh, and that's where you get all those big holes, and you know it seems like there's holes everywhere. Um, but if you think Benel, the Benel got a goal like that, Wiedemann, you know, over the back, Wiedemann got a goal like that. There are a number 
of them that were a function of that space. And that space also means that uh, Wiedemann can lead into it, like the one that he got. I forget who passed it to him, but it, he, he hasn't got many of them where he's leading directly into space and someone can drill it onto his chest. Um, I'll pose the question now. Um, even though we'll talk changes maybe a bit later, but uh, if we if uh, Tommy's Tommy Max fit, um, does he get a game? I mean, both uh, both the players that are taking up uh, that forward, that key forward position um, had fairly decent games. I'd like to get I'd like Jackson to get a few on the trot in a row, um, you know. And obviously we've got uh, compacted uh, fixture coming up, so there will be time for players to have rest. But this week, does um, does Tommy Mack get straight back in if if fit? I'll start with you, George. Um, I'll pose the second question: <laughs> Would you drop Wiedemann or or uh, Jackson? Well, I don't and think, I think the answer to that is no. That's no. It? But do you um, play? You can't play <laughs> the three talls, so. Uh, well, I think you can. You can. Um, yeah, I think I think we can, particularly this week because um, uh, Brisbane have got uh, McInerney and Steph Martin as two um, two good rucks. Yep. Um, you're not going to be able to put in. You don't want to be dragging, say, a Jackson down to fill in to fill in a second ruck role. Um, yeah, or you're going to need a Jackson. Sorry, you're going to need a Jackson to fill yeah. in a second ruck role. Um, we don't want to be falling back in the old situation that we found ourselves earlier in the season of not having enough forwards left up front. So, um, for me, um, at the moment, I can't see Melcham providing anything. Um, his statistics are just appalling. Um, he's not providing any pressure. He's had one tackle um, in six games of football in the forward fifty. I don't know what else he's doing in there. Um, three t- three forward seems very viable to me. Uh, Jackson had more more tackles in this game than Weedham inside the forward fifty than what um, um, Melcham has had for in the in the six games that he's played. So um, it's an easy one for me. All right, big man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was very critical of Melcham early on, and he. Um, um, yeah, his tackle and pressure down, but I don't think they'll drop him, George. I, I think that uh, he played well enough to yeah, keep his nice spot. Guys. But the, I think, I mean, I, I'm not sure if this is true, but, but you know, there's sort of discussion about him playing some structural importance up forward in, in terms of setting, helping people set it up. That seems a bit of a stretch, I would have thought. Um, but he's, you know, I just think as a said often enough we've got such an average kicking team as a rule is it's pretty hard to get rid of a player that um well to drop a player with his foot skills um they're playing him up the ground um but he's also not a like like for um tom mcdonald and you know on the question of tom mcdonald playing you know i i guess two things is one that i don't like the idea of you yeah, win by 40 80 odd points where it could have been it could have been 50 points uh, even if the side that the played wasn't great you don't change much, do you? Um, can you play a third big? For sure you can. But I, I worry about Tom McDonald's mobility. And our game plan, it, when we talk about that running in the waves, and um, it's predicated partly in running up the ground in the waves, but just as importantly, running really hard to cover the outlet kick and to stop the switch. Um, without that, teams penetrate us. And to be honest, I think um, Tom McDonald's pace and his lack of mobility is a... Is a um, a bit of a concern. 
All right. We'll get more into uh, changes a bit later. Um, uh, Langdon, uh, again, reaffirms our interest in uh, him and why we went so hard. He adds so much to the team. He just runs and he runs and he runs up and down that wing. If you rewatch the game uh, without the angst uh, while you're watching it at the first time, uh, you really see how much he actually runs. Even after he delivers, he, he runs up the ground to provide a, another option for whoever's got the ball at the time. He never or rarely gets caught. He uses his pace effectively and he always seems to just create space like there's a guy right on him but he just can do an arc around and just finds that extra couple of metres. And look, his delivery isn't perfect but I don't think it's as bad uh, as some people on D-Milan make it out to be at, at times. Uh, it's certainly important in getting the ball forward. Um, George? Yeah, totally agree. He's, um, there's been three big additions that we've made to our team this year and they were all playing on the weekend. There was Jackson, uh, Pickett and Langdon was the third one. And when you add add those three into the even the 2018 time, team, you've got a completely different structure um, and options are available. Um, the other thing that, and Bin Man alluded to this just then, was um, the ability to cut off the opposition doing the switch and getting it out the, out the other side. When you've got someone like Langdon who can cover off that space um, to stop that happening, all of a sudden you, uh, people wonder why Hawthorne were kicking us down the line so often. It's because they had no other options. Yep. You've got a, a fast wingman out one side and you've got a Max Gorn down the other. What do you do? Um, it it's, um, make, makes the opposition really, really shuddered with the option. So um, the other thing is Langdon is... is He's good at getting the ball, but he's also very good at getting away from tight situations. There are a couple of situations where he was able to spin out, use his acceleration and get the ball back into the forward line again. Um, that's something that we were dramatic. We have, we certainly didn't have any of last year and probably the year before, if the truth be known as well. So, um, yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. Hmm. It's, a, it's a measure of how well we played in that game, I reckon, that um, he's the seventh or eighth player we're talking about because <laughs> any other, any, most weeks of footy, he'd be the first player, I reckon. He was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but his first game for the club, um, but George is spot on his running. Again, it's hard to see the ground, but you could see how knackered he is. He is just a running machine and um, he's... Uh, ability also, as as Andy says, to not get caught on that boundary and to spin around on it was fantastic. And um, I thought his kicking was fine this week. He didn't yeah. he hit targets. He he got depth on his kick. Uh, he kicks. He, I don't think he had many clangers or any clangers. So um, I think where um, I where I'm critical yeah, where I'm bad. critical, uh, uh, Bimad in in the kicks is that uh, I, I never I rarely see him sort of like like that kick it to sort of on the lead lace out in front of someone's chest, but. The, it's minor criticism because he's getting the ball, he's getting it into the forward line and not in a bombing, just bombing it in type of way. Uh, but yeah, mm. I, I don't know. I don't know if he has that ability on the run to sort of lace out straight at, at no. a lead's chest. I don't know, but I haven't I seen know. that I mean, yet. I mean, he just hasn't got the, the right technique. A lot of players don't have the technique. It's probably, you know, they come into AFL, we think. If they haven't got the technique there, they're not going to develop it. A few players really improve heaps, some improve a bit. Um, just on that spread and carry that, yeah, sorry, that spread and stopping the switch, George, no doubt that it's an advantage for us playing on those smaller grounds. There's no doubt at all. 
because it just means that um, we can set up our zone where, but more importantly, we can cover off it better. So um, I'm not sure of Metricon's Yeah, um, I was going to ask, what's, what are the dimensions of the games? We've got Gabba, we've got Metricon, we've got Adelaide Oval um, and Tassie. No, no, I haven't seen that draw yet. Oh, so. we'll go into that uh, shortly. We'll just got to yeah. finish off a few things and we'll talk about our draw and you'll get the lowdown on that. Um, perhaps we can uh, bring that up in the meantime. Um, I'll move on. Uh, our back line, rather than go through individuals, uh, I think we've almost found our back six, uh, certainly the guts of it yep. with the three big men. Uh, last week we mentioned having uh, May and Omak in at freeze lever up to play his natural intercepting role. Uh, his confidence has soared in the past two weeks. Um, we got lucky with O'Brien going off early, but the back line worked really well. Hibbert and Salem too. Um, my one question mark in defence was maybe Lockhart. Um, I was a big fan of him last year. I think... I think this year, I don't know, I might be a bit harsh, but I, I think he's dropped a couple of marks and his disposal wasn't great um, and he got caught a few times. Um, am I being harsh on Lockhart? Um, B-Man, I might ask you first. Oh, not harsh. I think it's funny because, you know, you grow up watching footy and the metric that you grow up thinking about is um, possessions, isn't it? And he's, he's probably had less possessions all year than track had in that game on um, the weekend. So but, can't, um, can't compare to track, though, I don't think. Uh, no, but yeah. I think that, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but yeah. sometimes cliches are exactly that because they're um, true, but, you know, all about playing their role, and his role is um, pressure. And um, personally, I think he just needs to sort of chill a bit and take a bit more time because his pressure is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's a gutsy player. Um, I think that, you know, you've got Jedediah and there you need him almost because he's quick. Uh, he offsets Jets, who's a little bit slow, I think, these days, but um, uh, had a better game, though, I thought. Um, so I, I think he's safe. I think uh, he's probably playing his role. Yeah. Um, he doesn't make too many sort of really egregious errors. No. Um, and it gives you another player to, to look at, I think, down there on your medium-sized forwards who we struggle against. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it... Go, George. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have any problems with Lockhart at the moment. Unfortunately, when you're just watching this game on the television, all you see is a backman making a mistake yeah. or a forward kicking yeah. a goal. Um, you don't see the work that's going on out yeah, out exactly. there, and you don't see the way they're interacting with others. Um, I, 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 Lockhart will not be dropped this week. We've got Cam Rain, Cam Rainer, mm, and uh, yeah. Charlie Cameron to worry about. Uh, yes. Um, so um, I don't think there are any other realistic options we've got at the moment. And I think Lockhart's also being being apprenticed effectively to um, uh, replace Jetta longer term mm. um, as well. Um, he's, he's a natural footballer. He's probably a little bit short. But um, I think the other thing that we're seeing with the back line talking about, about them is that um, – uh, we're starting to see Salem being able to move more up yeah, the ground. Getting and released. We saw even, yeah, yeah getting released. Uh, Jetta was even at one point threatening to kick a goal. Mm. Um, so th this whole back line, um, not just the six, but probably eight players in total um, coming on and off the ground is remarkably well set. I think we, this is this is what we're going to see for the rest of the season. Um, I, I couldn't fault anything that was going on down there. Um, got May and Lever who are uh, doing exactly what they're being paid for and um, yeah. with Oscar in there as, as I describe him as a goalkeeper it enables those two to do their job um, 
yeah, no, no, no questions, no qualms about what was going on down there. Yeah, Oscar's played uh, some of the best games I've seen him play in the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, uh, again, had had uh, disposal efficiency was up uh, in the ninety percent, and he's just sort of he's 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 spoiling and just being in the right spot um, is pretty good, and um, his disposal as well out of um, out of the back line as a rebounder at times um, was great too. And in that coverage, I don't know whether they're down cameras or something because they've got some funny camera angles they have. And one of them they kept on having was sort of an angle down the line one, but it showed what I sort of that point I've been making about him playing at the back of that diamond and yeah. that deep, as, as George says, that goalkeeper where he plays that deep player back, which again saved us a goal he did. Um, yeah. where he was able to get back and touch that ball. Um, and I don't know whether Max is winding him up. I suspect he might. But Max go on interview on that captain's run thing on RSN this morning, and um, he was saying he's the general back there. He's the you know he was pumping him up as the general, and um, I suspect he might have been having a bit of a dig um, at Oscar. But uh, he's definitely playing better, um, more aggressive. He did my favourite two bits of well, my favourite Oscar play was he spoiled. I think it was Burgoyne about 30 metres um, uh, out from their goal. Uh, and I watched this on this AFL Pro um, function. He then ran, followed the ball all the way up the ground, um, and we maintained possession all the way up the ground. And there was a handball chain between Langdon and another player, and it went back to um, Oscar, who got it just over the um, wing and kicked that 60-metre yep. kick to um, set up Petrarca to the goal to um, Fritsch. It was just... Fantastic that he got the spoil, saved the goal at one end, but had the uh, fitness at the end of a game that was deep in the last quarter to run all the way past the wing and deliver a 60-metre kick. And that's, you know, that's good footy. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, and uh, I just had in my notes here, and um, you sort of touched on it earlier, but man, just about the de- defensive zones clearly working because if you look at uh, our opposition scores uh, this year, Scott's sides are really struggling uh, to score against us, uh, providing we don't turn it over, which uh, in the past has been a concern for us. But I think uh, last couple of weeks, not as much. Um, Another thing, our accuracy in front of goal uh, has certainly improved. Uh, 14 goals, 7, I believe we kicked. Um, it's been 7 goals, 14 <laughs> last two, 2019 for sure. Um, so that's uh, pleasing too. Um, another thing that I, I had written down, um, it was really pleasing for me that when Hawthorne started getting some confidence and momentum earlier in the third quarter um, that we were able to respond and uh, not, not only stem the flow but to stop the bleeding completely. There, uh, there were a lot of people in the in the live Demonland thread with the comments of, oh, here we go, um, which I think I might have said that as well because we've seen teams be able to run over, at, over the top of us and I had that worry but um, it wasn't there this week. We, uh, I was pleased, very pleased to see... Um, us sort of uh, be able to stop that and not uh, let them run all over the top of us because it, at one stage it looked like they could have. Can I we've seen that a couple of times now, haven't we, during the season? Sorry, what was that, George? We've seen that, seen that a couple of times during the season where teams have come back and we've just held on, whereas you know, certainly in years gone by it would have been, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's, that's a great sign of confidence, but also... Um, the confidence in your own abilities to, to pull the um, pull it out of the fire when needed. So um, can only be another positive. Uh, B-Man? Sorry, George. Um, the, um, 
it's interesting you say that because uh, when um, when you, you direct message me before to see whether I could um, come on the podcast, I was thinking about um, the game and what my highlights were. Um, and of course, Max and um, Track were, were right up there. But for me, that was my highlight. That was my biggest highlight of the um, of the game. Was not that we we stopped them, but really how we did it. And I think that harks back to the discussion in the beginning uh, of tonight about our tactical uh, shift. Is that what we're able to do was to to get the momentum to stop their momentum first, and we did that with tempo football. Um, and one of the uh, I think we didn't get a goal, um, and maybe it was Wiedemann, at least a six, seven, eight minutes into that quarter. So they got their first two goals within three or four minutes, and then we took the speed out of the game and controlled it. Even after May took that screamer, which was another highlight of the game, he, you know, he's gone past a Melbourne player would have attacked off that half-back line and gone um, quick and tried to get that goal back to get our margin out. He didn't. He calmed down and went sideways, um, yeah. and that tempo took their took the wind out of their sails, uh, which meant that when we did get the goal to go to four goals, to go back to four goals up, the, the quarter was more than half done by that stage, and really that was the game right there. So I, I, that for me was the highlight because, as George said, it showed maturity, and it was something that we did well against Carlton. We balanced up and we did super the previous week against the Suns when they came at us. Um, and, yeah, I, I couldn't have been more impressed with that, but particularly about how they did it. Uh, yep. Um, uh, we sort of, we talked about sort of changes, but there's any, can you see any other changes being made? Uh, T-Mac aside, um, anyone to come in to match up with... Um, with, with Brisbane, what was, what was the discussion on day? I just caught a little bit of it about um, Vandenberg being injured. Or? Well, so there was a poster today or had mentioned something. Didn't really say that he's injured, but well, he did in a way. But it's, didn't, it's, he didn't frame it as, that, as an yeah. injury. He said he was played with a, uh, and what might have happened during the game with a, a fractured cheekbone, but. He didn't come back in, I don't believe, to follow up on that. And nothing was mentioned. Uh, Melbourne released their Burgess report, said we got through the game unscathed, uh, unless they're hiding that from um, from Brisbane. Uh, I don't know. I would, have, I would have thought with a fractured cheekbone, if that was true, um, that there's no chance at all he'd be playing this week, um, in which case why would, why would they cover it up? Um, it's, no. It'd just be a fact of no. fact of life. So, well, fractured cheekbone, you put a plate in, don't you? So, yeah, you know, but, but um, you, you're going you're going to be out for a couple of weeks, and then the plate usually has to come out again. So, yeah, um, maybe it was a typo, and he meant that he fractured someone else's cheekbone. <laughs> possibly. <the> way <laughs> the, the, the guy who who posted it um, has had good mail in the in the past. I just sort of went through it because I sort of remembered his name and he, he, he was one of the guys who had mentioned how it hasn't been announced yet but the, all the other players who were hubbing in Melbourne so to speak were, were left in Melbourne the Prusas right. the Bedfords those guys that they were then they were all going up to the to the Gold Coast to await uh, our, our team joining them there um, and I think there was some other thing that he had mentioned. So he's had some good mail in the past. So his post was, guys, it hasn't been reported yet, but to show you how tough and committed to the cause that Aaron is, he suffered a triple fracture, triple fracture to his cheekbone early in the second quarter. And despite blood trickling continually down the inside of his nose and throat, 
he totally downplayed the knock and kept playing, and you wouldn't have known he'd had that if that's the case, uh, was was even the only player to go in and remonstrate with Stratton after the crude knock on weed. Uh, you can see why the coaches and teammates love him in the side. So that's all he said. He hasn't mentioned whether the guy's going to miss or there's a chance to miss or he's having surgery. So there was none of that information given and then nothing from the club either. So Who's the poster? Good windies, good windies. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, had right, okay. he's had a couple of good uh, good mail yep. stuff. So he has, yeah. No, nothing not huge, but like not like just that. You know, someone trolling coming on and saying yeah, some no, nonsense. I wouldn't disregard um, that that info at all. So I would, I believe the info, but a fractured, a triple fractured cheekbone. That's that's serious, and you would think. Melbourne would have said something rather than hiding something. If that's the case, I don't know. And I don't. I think you just play through it. Can play you, through that. Is worry. it like can you be half pregnant? <laughs> can you play <laughs> sort of pregnant, uh, sort of fractured? I don't know. We'll we'll see. Watch watch this space. Uh, so I don't know. But barring no injuries, because uh, Burgess did say we got through unscathed. Uh, any, any other changes you can see to match up with uh, Brisbane? I, I can't see any realistically. Uh, um, my one about Melksham would be the only one to bring Tom in, but uh, uh, can't see any other. Can't see a need for any others. Um, the back, the backs are pretty well covered. Let's hope Hipwood doesn't uh, yeah, pull five out of his he, bottom he, again. Yeah. Uh, this, who, who played on week. him last time? Was Petty was playing that time? I remember there oh. was. Uh, that was the game I think where May and Frost sort of had the the bit of that argument at one stage. So. Uh, so we definitely had Petty and Frost back there. So the team will look a lot different with uh, Lever, Omac, and um, not sure yeah. if Lever played yeah. played that day. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 player, the player that must be feeling like wonder where we'd now get back in his rivers because um, I can't like George. I can't see a change being made. I don't know why you sort of what their motivation would be. Maybe Tom McDonald in, but then you're going to lose someone. So maybe Vandenberg comes out for Tom McDonald, which wouldn't be too bad a, um, a sort of swap, I guess. They're not quite like for like, but um, uh, obviously, you know, they've got three bigs, haven't they, um, yeah. the Lions? But uh, Rivers yeah. was hopeful to be getting a game, you know, before the end of the season again, of course. Uh, yeah, he'll definitely get a game. And, and uh, look, I think we'll go into it now. Uh, we've got uh, our, our fixture for the next four weeks after uh, the Brisbane game has been released, the round nine to round 12. Um, I believe, including the Brisbane game, we're playing uh, f- uh, five games in 20, da- uh, in 20 days. Um, so we've got this week. And then round nine, we play Port at the Gabba on Thursday the 30th of July. Um, so that's coming off a how many day break? We've got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we've got four, that four-day four day, four day break. Uh, at what time is that going they're, they're all t- uh, TBC uh, time, but I'm assuming if ah. it's Thursday, it'll be evening. Um, uh, then round 10, we've got at, we go to Adelaide to play Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. I, I'm hoping that they get a win before. And I really don't want to play Adelaide <laughs> not having a win. That's my that's my uh, veil of negativity coming down for if, this week. If uh, you saw Adelaide play, I know, this week, you wouldn't worry about. I it. know, <laughs> but I'm I'm thinking 
2019 demons, uh, anything can uh, happen. Um, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, so we've got Adelaide. That's on the Wednesday, the 5th of August. So we get the bit of a, we get that six-day uh, break after the um, Thursday game. Uh, but we do have to travel. So I'm assuming uh, it'll be a fly-in, fly-out. But because it's probably Wednesday, do you reckon they're playing those during the day? They couldn't. That would have to be a night, wouldn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. For the um, for the broadcasters, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, it's at least it's not a day game where they have to get up at five in the morning, fly in, fly out type of thing. So, um, uh, yeah, because I imagine they just they will fly in, fly out. I don't imagine they'd stay stay the night there. Um, but I'm not sure what the, what the deal with with interstate travel. Um, uh, round 11, we go to Tasmania. Um, so another interstate trip. That's on a Sunday. So I'm assuming that will be during the day. Um, what, a, what a happy hunting ground Tasmania yeah. is over the last few years. Which one's Blundstone Arena? The Hobart. 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 Is, that, is that the one we play? We usually play them at? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 The way the wind the wind blows sideways. Yeah. So we've we've got that on a Sunday. That might be a fly in, fly out. But I believe North Melbourne. I think someone said where are we? Are they on in Maroochydore as well? Are they based yeah. there? So uh, at least yeah. we're, we'll probably be on the same plane with them in and out. So <laughs> yeah. both of us have uh, have a similar um, thing. That's so that's on the Sunday after the so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's another four day break. Um, and uh, someone's posted later on. I'll go into that of what um, our oppositions, what their um, what their breaks are like before we play them. Uh, after that is the round twelve game against Collingwood at the Gabba on a Saturday. Um, uh, I would assume that that'll probably be Saturday night. Um, as I said, they haven't mentioned times yet, uh, but you would think they'd put Melbourne Collingwood that night for the broadcast. Mm. Could be during the day, but I don't know. Would have liked that to have been a Friday night game, um, but this uh, we've got a six-day break between the the game before. But uh, yeah, and uh, the reason reason I say Friday night game is because just to give us a, a, bl- a blockbuster. Yeah, um, but in that ca- in that case, Collingwood would be off a three-day break. No, who cares? I, about that. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So the um, schedule is that you know. Not that I'm um, superstitious at all, but um, touch wood or anything that's wooden around me that we've got a um, pretty good run with injury except for Vandenberg at the moment. Um, and that's going to play a part. And, and one of the benefits of having played different players already, you know, quite a few num- a few players have played um, this season despite our few injuries, is that, um, you know, all things being equal, have a good list to choose from, whereas some other clubs are, are not so lucky at the moment. So that, that might be helpful. Uh, so just to go through what our opponents have to do, uh, uh, Deco 2 on Demonland has said um, it's tough on the travel for us but harder for our opponents. So the Round 9 versus Port Adelaide sees us travelling coming off a four-day break after the Brisbane game. Uh, Port get a five-day break but are travelling from Adelaide. Uh, he reckons that's about even between the two of us because of that. Uh, round 10 versus Adelaide sees us travelling to Adelaide off a six-day break. Adelaide are coming off a four-day break, travelling from Brisbane. 
Um, he's rated that a win for us. Uh, round, yep. round 11 versus North sees us travelling to Tasmania off a four-day break. North are also coming off a four-day break travelling from Brisbane, but that's, they play in Brisbane the week before. But if they're coming from Maroochydore, then both of us off a four-day break um, uh, coming from the same place on the same plane, that's, that's, that's even. Uh, but, but then again, they know that ground probably better than us. Um, round 12 versus the Pies sees us travelling uh, to Brisbane, uh, down from Maroochydore, off a six-day break. Uh, Pies coming off a four-day break, travelling from Adelaide the week before. Um, uh, yeah, so there you go. That's not too bad. That's not too bad at all. If the North Melbourne um, uh, Melbourne game ends in a draw, perhaps they could have um, like a table tennis championship back at their um, at Marucci door to, to decide the winner. Uh, here's what I don't like about this latest block um, uh, that that's been released. Uh, Lucifer's hero. Uh, has posted, have a look at Essendon's uh, thing. Now, remember, we're yet to play our makeup game against Essendon. That's probably coming the next block. Um, and considering uh, that a lot of the teams, a lot of the other teams are getting their buys in this block, uh, in various uh, rounds of these blocks, and we're obviously not getting the buy because it's been considered that we've already had it. Uh, Essendon are playing round nine. Uh, at the Gabba, round 10 at Metricon, round 11 at Metricon, and round 12 at the Gabba. Um, all with uh, fairly good bra- breaks. They've got a, a, you know, a couple of a seven day break. Uh, uh, They've got, they got, they got it better than us, and they, uh, <laughs> they don't have to travel at all. Uh, they're based in. Um, I think in, if they go to in round eight, they go to Adelaide, as in this week. But uh, other than that, they've got the next four weeks after that in Queensland, where they're based. So well, not very another fair. way to look at that, Andy, is is what happens to the psychology. Don't they say that um, you know teams bond when they're travelling? At what point, when they're in a hub, does that <laughs> kick in the benefit of travelling? And maybe the bombers will be a little bit sort of at home and not get that same benefit. Possibly, I don't know. But I must say the uh, hub life has, has been great for us at the moment. Hopefully we've now moved up to the, uh, up to Queensland, so hopefully that continues. And um, uh, you, I think you mentioned in the chat room before that because uh, we're in Maroochydore, the, what's the facilities out there? We've got two MCG-size ovals available to us. Yeah, we're training. As I understand it, we're training on the grounds that we train on when we do our pre-season um, camp. That's what, I, my, that's what I think is the case, in which case they're perfect. They're two beautiful ovals. I remember the footage of them. They're um, both exactly the same dimensions, and I think they're MCG dimensions. Um, and they've got a, you know, a, a gym between the two of them or um, the side. It looks fantastic. I, I presume that's – I don't know whether they had a choice in it, but um, it wouldn't surprise me at all because they've been up there for the last three years, they're staying in the same um, accommodation and training at the same grounds, that it sort of makes a, a lot of sense, doesn't it? And the other the other thing is that um, with all the other teams that are uh, around the Gold Coast and Brisbane, that there's actually not a great number of AFL facilities available. So um, uh, if, if we're just that little bit further out in good con- with good facilities and conditions I think that'll be a positive as, as opposed to trying to share a ground or share a facility with another club um, not worried about the, the bit of travel a bit of extra travel time um, 
it's only an no. hour or two more than what others will be doing. No, and the other thing, I mean, they say for elite athletes that you know one of the biggest challenges for the team is the break in routines. And even though it's a small thing, it, there's a bit of a routine ever in that same spot, but, but they're familiar with it. They know the that's that place where they share rooms and they cook and all of that that stuff up there. They've yeah. got a gym at the um, Twin Towers or whatever it's called. So, you know, those little things help, I think, in terms of, um, you know, it's not an unfamiliar space. It's probably a great space for their, got their family and kids up there. Uh, and by all accounts, Maruchi Door is a pretty quiet place, so it's not like they're likely to get out in trouble. And well, who knows? I guess they can find a way. But uh. um, yeah, that's that's pretty important, I think, from the from the players' personal perspective. I think you know, having their families in facilities, it's not just a hotel a hotel room. You know, they're able to get out and about. It's got they've got much more space themselves, especially if you've got a couple of kids, as some players have got. Um, you wouldn't want to be sitting inside a you know a hotel room in the middle of Brisbane, which other other players are doing at the moment. So, um, um, exactly. yeah, a little bit of extra time. Exactly, they're like from memory. I remember the footage of them where they had shots from inside. They're like sort of little um, apartments. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that yeah, presumably they had a choice in it. Yeah, and it's at a resort, so I think they've got the whole resort to themselves or maybe sharing it with another club, I think maybe North. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there's lots of um, space and a big pool and um, and the like. Uh, the ground sizes uh, we talked about before, so the MCG is 160 by 141. Uh, where we just played uh, the last couple of games was 164, so four metres longer, but it's 123, so quite a quite a lot narrower uh, than the G. Um, so that's the last two weeks we've been playing at. Um, the Metricon is the same um, same length as the G, uh, but it's 134 as opposed to 141, so it's a, a little bit narrower. Mm. Um, Gabba uh, is a bit shorter, 156 metres and, and a little bit wider than, than Metricon, uh, but still a bit smaller than the MCG, which we've struggled on the MCG, so it's not a bad thing. Um, and then I guess uh, where's the... Um, so they have Blundstone Arena. Blundstone Arena, um, uh, in terms of length, is 175 as opposed to... Um, uh, the G 160 meters long, so it's a lot longer uh, ground. Uh, One thirty. I think that's, they did that deliberately. They lengthened it to uh, um to allow for Brown's run up when he kicks the ball. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Mind you, the way Brown's playing, he can run up all he likes. Yeah, I was wondering if Melbourne are uh, sharing accommodation with him, maybe they could show, uh, throw him a big beach ball and see, you know, <laughs> if he can grab that. Uh, then Adelaide Oval, which we're also playing at, is is one sixty seven, so it's seven metres longer than the, the G, uh, but obviously uh, one twenty three, so a lot uh, narrower. Um, so look, I think those those grounds will probably suit suit us, um, but we'll see. Um, Anything else, boys? Uh, oh, what do you think about what do you think about holding the ball this week? Uh, wait, it seems before, to have changed again. Uh, George, before we go on, just a fixture fixture yeah. one. We'll, we will uh, go on to that because it's <laughs> it's a dog's breakfast between games. That one, but uh, just quickly, the fixtures, uh, the remaining games that we have to play. Obviously, we've got to play Essendon. We'll probably play them some, whether it's the Gabba or. Um, or or Metricon, um, it'll be one of those. But um, we'll have to play Sydney at some stage, and I think we'll probably have to go to Sydney for that one. Um, that's my tip. 
The other one is Frio. We won't have to go to Perth, but I, I reckon we'll play at the Northern Territory at least one game. So I, I, my tip is we'll play them there. Um, who else haven't we played? Um, Essendon. Well, that's what I say. Essendon, Sydney, Frio. Oh, and sorry, yep. Is there one other? Who, who, who else? We haven't played Dogs yet or uh, Saints. Yeah, Dogs or Saints. They're the other ones. So uh, likely we'll play them uh, at the at – the, so we won't have to tra- – we'll have to probably travel to the Northern Territory and I reckon we'll have to travel to, to, um, to Sydney. Um, yeah, Sydney to play Sydney. Unless the AFL throw us a bone and give us uh, that game in in Queensland, but yeah, that, that that that's how the rest of the year will probably look. Um, so it's going to be a better at metric on us. That looks fantastic. That ground on the television. That's the only one that the grass looks any half decent on. Yep, well, we'll get to uh, we'll get to see that this week. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a magnific- it's a magnificent ground. It's going to be interesting to see how it holds up. Uh, with all the games that are being played there, but yeah, the times that I've been up there, it's it's like a a, a billiard table, a magnificent ground, and certainly very pleasant up there during the middle of winter to be playing on. So, um, but I, I think we've got, in terms of the fixture, we've got a um, uh, it's all on the line over over even for this round. Um, we haven't played the top three teams yet, but also we haven't played the bottom four teams, um, and. At some point, if we're serious about getting into finals, we've got to start beating those teams who are either ahead who are ahead of us on the ladder um, to get sufficient number of wins to get into the finals. And um, this game against Brisbane, I think, has got a lot riding on it from that perspective. Well, we that... beat them, and also we've we've sort of start to bank a game here or there. Um, very well, important for us this round. We've got two tough games coming up because we've got Brisbane and then we've got Port. So we're playing the two yeah. two top teams basically this year. Um, we really need to win at least one of them. Um, yep. Obviously, we'd like to win both of them, but definitely have to win one of them. I think uh, it's important, uh, particularly with finals prospects. Um, and obviously, we don't want to drop the games against the, those teams that uh, have been underperforming this year. Um, Adelaide North... Um, and then um, mm. we've, you know, got Sydney. Col- and Sydney, and you know, we've got Collingwood coming up as well. Um, yeah. And then it'll be interesting. Well, depending on what happens in those, when we play teams that are the Bulldogs and Kilda, who might be sort of on our level thereabouts, uh, and Essendon too. So, yep, ours there for the taking for us. And uh, you know, if we play like we did on on the weekend, um, but there's no reason why we can't can't do it. But um, and just on that, I think that. In 2018, what we did well was we did beat those teams around us. But that was partly because I think that if we can play at the intensity that we played on the weekend, we're very, very hard to beat for a team that's not as good as good at us, good as us. Um, that's where those stronger teams um, have an advantage because a team like Collingwood, for instance, have perhaps got, not perhaps they do have um, more skilled players across the ground. And if they, they are also capable are bringing the same sort of intensity as we bring. So um, I really rate Brisbane. Um, so it's going to be a tough game uh, um, uh, this week. And, and, you know, it's it will be a really good barometer to see where we're at. Um, I think a real positive for this game is that we're um, underdogs. I think that's a really good headspace for them to be in. Um, you know, I think the odds are 220 or 215. Um, so, you know, not overwhelming underdogs. But, um, you know, they're expected 
to win this Brisbane, so the pressure will be on them. Uh, and for me, they feel a bit like our benchmark team. They, you know, we were well above them in 2018. They were super last year and have looked pretty good this year. But I think we should, you know, if we're tracking well enough. We should be uh, beating Brisbane. Um, George, you, you wanted to talk about uh, the holding the ball uh, rule. It's been a very inconsistent yeah. across matches and uh, sometimes even within a game. Uh, it baffles me at times. Uh, what do you want to say about that? I, I, I just don't know where it's going with it. At the moment, I saw today that uh, the umpire's uh, uh, representative um, called up Brett, Brett Ratton and apologised for some of the decisions made in their game. Um I'm in favour of of the of the idea. I can see that they're trying to make sure that the game, the ball gets pushed out and not fallen on and covered up and held, um, because that that creates a much better game to watch. Um, it's just the inconsistencies that are occurring between individual umpires, and you never know what's going to come <laughs> come out of a whistle decision. But hopefully they can get it right very soon. But yeah, I certainly like the idea of getting the ball out. Um, more often than has been in the past, I just can't stand the stand the ball up after ball up after ball up with 36 players standing around it. That's not what we what we want to see. So I was just interested in what you guys thought about it. Uh, on that, I mean, I, I agree with that point. That I think it actually has been quite effective. Players aren't. The one that has been more effective, I think, is dragging it in. That's the one that I'd pay. I personally hate it when a player gets driven into the ground and is God. given holding the ball against him. I just can't stand it. It's the, but it's that one where, like, Fritch had um, the Hawk play with the ball underneath him, and they're the ones that should be paid. If you bring it in, it's your responsibility to get it out, even if you can't, even if physically you stop. I'm all for that one, and I agree. It's, and players are looking to get it out in that circumstance now. But for me, the inconsistency was summed up when... Um, Scully got caught by Viney and was had yeah. plenty of time to get rid of it. And the umpire, Mike, um, captured the umpire saying, you know, he didn't have chance to possession or something. He had plenty of time um, to get rid of it. And 20, less than 20 seconds, the next ball up, um, ten, you know, 10 seconds later, someone got tackled who had less time than him. Yeah, and, and got the free. Yep. got pinged. Yep. <laughs> I thought that the umpire was making, that was one of those classic umpire was making up for, for the free kick that he didn't give two seconds earlier had to have been I assume it was the same umpire it was it was, it was exactly right the same umpire so, what? Yeah. so that's where as you said George that's what drives all fans nuts is that inconsistency isn't it yeah, yeah. Uh, look I just uh, for me prior opportunity is a huge thing uh, as you said man, the players that deliberately bring it back in and make no effort to get it out they're the big ones for me. Uh, I don't like these ones where they've got no prior opportunity. They get jumped on. There's no possible way they could do anything, and then they get pinged. Uh, it makes no sense to me. And then what's his name here? I just, for some reason or other, he shits me, but um, he just beats us all the time. Is um, I can't even remember his name. Who's what's, what's number 19 for Hawthorne? The, the guy he kicked at 60 metres. Gunston. Gunston dropped the ball yep. in that third yeah. quarter. And they got a goal. They got a goal two seconds later. They got a goal out of yeah. it. That, I mean, that had to be dropping the ball. That's yeah. what That's what you can't yeah. stand. Is they're, they're the ones. perfectly lay tackle by Lockhart yeah. doesn't get the result. They score a goal. Um, it's a goal they shouldn't have got because it was clear dropping yep. the ball. Um, and then they, you know, a, a second later they'll pay a ticky touchwood yeah. one. So yeah, for me it's it's those things. It's it's, the, it's often the free kicks that aren't paid um, more so than oh, I guess some of the ones that are paid baffle me too. But uh, d definitely those ones that aren't paid uh, really.
really can end up costing you because play on go, you know, it's called play on and they got a goal out of it and they really should not have got that goal. Yeah, I, I want the umpires department to maybe, for instance, if you could get them on Demon Land to apologise <laughs> to every Demon fan for all of the rubbish free kicks that we've suffered over the years. We might have to compile a, a, a list, a long list, but uh, that'll involve a lot of uh, going over games that I don't care to watch <laughs> again. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. And um, yeah, um, uh, before we wrap things up, anything you want to bring up uh, before we go? Any final final words? Highlight for me on the weekend was a, just a, a huge highlight was the facial expressions of um, Frawley, who when you know that um, uh, the kick from track and then the kick to Weed uh, later in the game when he got beaten on the lead and um, at halftime I think it was when he was in Gorn's face, um, I think that was priceless. The constant cutaways to um, uh, Clarkson, who was melting down in the box, um, was fantastic. And as George noted earlier, that expression on um, Sicily's face when he just could not move track under the ball. 90 times, 99 times out of 100, he gets a player in that position and the ball sat on the, the forward's head. He just pushes him under and takes that mark. Yeah. He, just, he just looks so utterly defeated. Yep. Um, um, so, yeah, that was my highlight for the weekend. <laughs> Uh, George, anything else from you? Uh, nothing else from me. That was that was a very pleasant week, and let's hope we have a similar um, pleasant week next week. I absolutely agree. All right, uh, thank you, boys. Thank you, uh, thank you, Bin Man, for for joining us as, as a um, as a co-host uh, tonight. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, your success of calling into the program isn't ruined um you know you calling in and then us winning isn't ruined by you actually co-hosting tonight um i will blame you if we do lose you'll be the first one that gets a call from me uh, but thank you for joining us george thank you um we'll be we'll be uh back next week uh hopefully talking about a fantastic win on the gold coast so red legs go Dees.